Welcome to the Aboisi Wine Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. Welcome again, uh, our guests, to the, to the Aboisi Wine Buzz. Last time, we had a great uh, interview with Maximilian Riddell. Now, talking about that, Maximilian, ceramic, porcelain, plastic, silicon, crystal, and glasses are all distinct types. These are materials that have been used to make drinking ware. Many of us appreciate crystal as it allows the glass to be cut in a certain way. Now, because it offers more of the reflection, as you said, with the black background and the thinner edges. Now, lead was present in the crystal glasses that Riddell produced until 2015. What was the reason for this, that now you no longer have that, and, but you are still selling crystal glassware? Well, that's a very good question. And um, the answer is very simple. Proposition 65 in the state of California. So due to the legality of lead within a product, within a surface, and making the audience aware of it, which is a law, which is a uh, a proposition in California and California only. And because of that, we changed our, the ingredients of our crystal and we were not the first and we were not the last. Mm -hmm. So lead crystal is something that my family got into, not from the beginning. Lead was always expensive in material as a raw material. And in particular in decorated giftware. I'm referring to products of companies such as Waterford. Um, they used to have lead content and there were two different styles of lead. There was lead crystal, which had a lead content of up to 24% and full lead crystal, which is 28%. And the last company standing, I believe, still having full lead crystal is Baccarat which is now Chinese owned and operated in France. Uh, and they are the last ones holding on to it because they're not so much into drinkware. It's all about decorative wear. In my family, back in the 80s, 90s, we were the largest glass supplier to Tiffany and company. And uh, we had many designs together. And when we separated from Tiffany as a supplier, in around 2015, it was another reason for us to say goodbye to the ingredient of, of lead. So there, our glass is crystal glass. It's not soda lime glass. It's all about the ingredients. The consumer would not notice any difference in the brilliance, in the weight, in the durability. So we have come up with a new raw material to replace this uh, toxic ingredient of lead and you won't notice a difference. So we're very happy about the fact that California and now also the European Union motivated us to take a step away. It's healthy for the environment. It's healthy for our employees. And that's the reason why we decided to move away from lead crystal 
in 2015. Well, that was a very in-depth uh, answer, Maximilian, and I'm sure the audience appreciates that because there's always been this um, perception, you know, how lead, certainly when we think about lead in the fuel, and now we have lead in decanters, and as you said, it used to be in the glassware. Now, moving on, you know, I, I, I have to say that the glassware behind you, the display, it's... Um, it's very alluring, and I know it makes you it makes you thirsty <laughs> looking at empty wine glasses. It does. I mean, it does uh, to I many really... people different things. Most people would say, "Oh my God, you have to wash them by hand." I would say, "No, you put them in a dishwasher." But when I look at my wine glasses and they're empty, it makes me thirsty. Now you know, I if I can just draw you um, behind you, you've you've got on your third shelf, I think, to your left. Um, you've got the stems with the different colors. Um, could you share a little bit about that particular line, um, Maximum? Yeah, the line behind me to the left is called uh, Factor Mano High Performance because of the length of the stem. And I will get one in just a second. But uh, since we have, uh, we're diversified, we make glass by hand and by machine. Uh, and I, nowadays feel that if you are able to produce something by hand, then you have to produce something that the machine can't produce. And this to me is the addition of color. And uh, we've, we, we came up with this collection of glasses that have different stemmed colors at the right time, because during Corona, uh, people at home, at least at my home, had their favorite color. And that's the glass from which they choose to drink their wine from. So every grape variety was covered and is still covered. It's a collection which sadly we do not promote in the United States or in Canada, but globally it's a very successful production from Riedel. So I'm gonna get you Please. the glass to show it to you. So this is the champagne flute of uh, Fatomano high performance. And what you have here is a very long stem. So it's very difficult for the glass master to pull this. So it's really a piece of art. And the collection itself, uh, that's the champagne glass, the champagne wine glass, for example, with the Tiffany blue or Tiffany green, however you want to call it. Good. So this comes in any color. It can be customized. But uh, as I said, you can buy this in a box of six and you have six champagne glasses, each with a different color. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have, it's beautiful. But again, during Corona, it was very important to choose your color and you had your color and this was the glass. It's like, it acts like a glass charm. There's no confusion on the dining table or in modern times at a kitchen party, you know, you put your glass down and you forget, was this my glass, was this your glass? So we came up with this beautiful decorative way of making sure that you do not forget which glass is yours. Well, that's certainly uh, extremely helpful. As you said, I know that I'm guilty of sometimes leaving my glass and coming back, so, as you said, is this my glass or not? Now, Maximilian, in my capacity as a wine and spirit judge, critic, an expert, I'm often asked about the type of wines one should keep in their cellar. Now, how about the several types of glassware one ought to have to complement the wines in your cellar? 
And does Riddell have such a combination of such glassware ready, pre-packed, that consumers can say, I'd like to have the setup of my entire glassware? Very good question. So uh, let's talk about my wine cellar. And if you would go into my wine cellar, you would notice immediately what are my favorite wine regions and grape varieties. So for me, for example, I must have the Cabernet glass at home because that's the fruit I currently enjoy the most. And I underline currently, good palates change, moods change, oh. season changes. For example, honestly, I would not consider opening a bottle of Barolo now. For me, it's a wine that I would drink in the fall and in the winter time. So, um, and then I always say, don't be selfish. When you walk into my cellar, you also find the wines that my spouse likes. And you would definitely say Riesling. So that's another glass we shall have at home because mm -hmm. those are the two grape varieties which we as a family enjoy the most. And that's how I would start my collection. Uh, of course, if you are a person who has uh, many choices in your wine cellar and you cover many grape varieties, then you have the space for wine. You should also have the space for your glasses. There shouldn't be any excuse. Good. So... Uh, and um, when you talk about how can I buy these glasses, well, uh, if I like Riesling and you like Cabernet, then those are the two glasses I should buy. And uh, we say in general, and that's traditional, also a point of view, you should have between six to eight glasses of one type mm -hmm. so that when you taste multiple wines or you invite your spouse, your friends, then you have enough glasses at home. Yes, when we travel the world and we conduct our wine glass seminars, which yeah. means that people are sitting classroom style and they're listening to us and they listen to our philosophy and we taste wines together, then we have something ready called a tasting kit or a tasting set. It's a set of glasses. I have one here prepared from the new Little Veloce collection, you see it's a quite big box, but it's very thin because it carries, highlighted with the red dots, the four glasses, the four different styles of glasses, each one of them covering one or multiple grape varieties in a box. So if you would come to our tastings, you would be receiving a box, you would unpack your four glasses, and we would taste four different grape varieties each one of them in the four different Riedel glasses to showcase to you what a glass can do to either support and promote a fruit, a wine, or to completely, I don't want to say destroy it because we're not changing the wine. We're just guiding the wine through the shapes of glasses. Uh, you would not recognize the same wine in the four different Riedel glasses. So this is how we excite the people, how we wow the audience, how we shock the winemakers. When they go through this, they can't believe it with their own wine. They wouldn't recognize their own wine. They would recognize it in the proper glass, but uh, not in the glass which is suited for a different grape variety. So it's a fun thing to do. And this actually includes the four glasses, which I would say, depending on where you're from, but let's say in America, you should have 
those glasses. It's the Cabernet glass, the Pinot Noir glass, two red wine glasses, and Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Those four glasses would cover, I would say, whatever American fruit is grown, 80% of all the fruit that is grown in North America, this set of glasses would be covered. Well, that's, yeah, please show us more. In here, how the glasses are being kept. We have developed this way, how protect. This is also how we ship the glasses. Uh, even our packaging has won many awards. Uh, there are some suggestions even on the sleeve. That's also a nice way in case you uh, like to travel with your glasses. Here they are perfectly protected and it's like um, an oyster. You could then open it, pop. It's secured, the glasses sit in there and you're ready to go, you're ready to taste. Good, so that's how we are making sure that when you make an investment in a real product, you're well invested in the product, but also we are guaranteeing you to ship the product uh, in one piece. And it's not too bulky uh, from what I see. It's, it's quite, a, it's slim lined and it's easy to pack away. And it's, I don't want to call it 100% green because of course we want to make the box look nice. So we're look, using certain lacquers to decorate it, but uh, less is more, you know, this is cardboard. It can be 100% recycled. Mm -hmm. And there is no plastic involved, no bubble wrap, nothing like this. So, uh, yeah, it's perfectly constructed. As I said, we won many awards for it because less is more. It's the philosophy of the Bauhaus. It's constructed like a skyscraper. So, so going back, we think, you know, your selection was Cabernet Sauvignon, you know, the Pinot Noir, um, the, the Chardonnay, the Riesling and the Chardonnay. So I, I think uh, given that um, it, that's a very um, expansive selection, which many other varietals could fit in. For example, the Cabernet Sauvignon one probably could also use the Syrah. In, in, in no, such a, you know, the, no, the Syrah is so different uh, that Syrah would not fit. But into the Cabernet Sauvignon glass, you could fit the Bordeaux, red Bordeaux varietals, yes. such mm -hmm. as Cabernet Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, even some Malbec. So that's what the glass can do. Syrah or Shiraz is such a different type, such a different animal, if I may call it like it this, is, in many with ways. a thicker skin, smaller fruit, different color, much more tannin, uh, that the Cabernet glass could not cope with it. What, what would you recommend for the Syrah then, Maximum? The Syrah glass. Aha. Do you have the one Syrah glass that, uh... works beautifully for, for any kind of uh, Rhone varietal. Good. So if you have Grenache, uh, Mauvedre, uh, you have the only true North American uh, grape variety, which is called Norton. Mm -hmm. So yeah. also this glass was chosen by the Norton producers from Virginia, North and West uh, for, for their fruit. So also they would recommend the, the Shiraz type of glass. And uh, when we talk about, uh, when we go East, there is in Georgia, not the state of America, Georgia, so Georgia, former Russian Soviet Union, they have a grape variety called Saparavi. Yes. And also they have chosen the grape, the glass for this grape. And the fun story about Saparavi, if I may just brag about my wine knowledge, 
Please. is that it's one of the few fruits that not only has a red skin, but also the juice is red. Yes, it's, um, it's not common. Many people think that uh, while the skins on the outside are red, the juice is actually uh, clear white. color, white, yes. Now, we've been speaking about glasses, Maximilian, and um, that, that's a wonderful um, piece of advice that you've shared with the audience of having uh, these particular set of glasses. What about decanters? What would your advice be there? Well, I'm looking at a shelf that is full of decanters, designs from forefathers, my designs, and uh, it's my passion. So decanter for any wine lover hmm. is a must-have, not to show off that you know about wine and then it gets dusty and with time ugly. It's something that you, if you open a bottle of wine, you should always consider to decant. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. can tell you when to decant the wine. It's up to your personal preference. There are two reasons why we decant wine. One, the traditional reason to split the wine from the sediment. And this particular original reason was invented by a wine region which very few people would say it makes sense it's the region of champagne they were the first ones to decant wine and when i tell you the the true reason behind it you would say it makes absolute sense the true reason was that champagne not even 100 years ago was still sold with the yeast in the bottle and the only way how to remove the yeast was by decanting champagne. Nowadays, we decant champagne, vintage champagne, predominantly for the same reason as we would decant young red or white wines, just to open them up to naturally speed up the aging process. And when you speak to winemakers from around the world, some of them would, and some of them do, like to write on the label, wine should be decanted, which means that they know that they're bottling these wines way too early, way too young. And that's why a few of the famous chateaus in Bordeaux are holding back their releases. So you could buy the wines on en premier, which means the day, the year after, but they would not ship it to you before the next four to eight years. Good example is Chateau Latour, for example they're holding back the wines the longest. And there's good reasons behind it because they're afraid that you don't like the wine at that young stage because it's tight, it's powerful. The tannins, they're not ripe in the sense that they were ripe when they harvested the fruit, but they're not showing yet round, soft, smooth, driven by fruit. So that's why either they hold back or they suggest keep it in the cellar which most restaurants couldn't do because they don't have the space. So the only way to speed up the aging process and make the wine ready to drink, they would recommend, like I do, to decant the wine. And a decanter can be very basic. A decanter can be an empty bottle of wine. So you would pour it from wine, from the bottle it comes from, into the empty bottle of wine, and maybe back. So it's like a back and forth so that right. the wine gets the exposure of oxygen. Of course... It, we made it our business. So we have machine-made decanters at an entry price point. We have made decanters for 
for, for white wines or for wines that you want to keep at a certain temperature. So then you would use, for example, this decanter where I gave it the name Mosel. Mosel is a German wine region, which is yeah. famous for white wine for Riesling. And the Mosel Rieslings are most delicious. And they're the last ones where you can find them around 10% alcohol. So they're easier to drink. They don't have this kind of power. Uh, and I've chosen this name, Mosel, for this decanter because it has a size that allows you to decant the wine and mm. then put this decanter into the fridge to keep it at the temperature or into the ice bucket. So that I would recommend for white wines, for rosé, for champagne, or mm. for some styles or types of red wine. Right. Where in the summertime, like Pinot Noir, you would like to have it slightly chilled. I would recommend this kind of style, this kind of size of decanter. And then, of course, when we talk about red wine, the bigger, the better. So this would be also a machine-made decanter with a little belly, as you can see it. Machine-made allows us to offer it at a certain price. You would see this shape a lot from Riedel in restaurant use. Because it has a certain size, it's still not big enough. Mm -hmm. So it would still fit into an ice bucket, but it allows the wine to sit in there flat so the wine can absorb oxygen. And then, of course, we have our, what I call our Porsche 911 design. This is the most famous Riedel decanter design. It's called the Amadeo. And this is now handmade already, one of many different styles and shapes. And you would tilt it to aerate the wine you would pour it like this right. so that the last drop would fall into the wine bottle and not besides it then it sits it looks beautiful it also looks beautiful empty it looks like a piece of art and then you would pour into your wine glass and because of the narrow opening on the side of the decanter where oh. you would pour you could celebrate like a japanese tea celebration which means you could move the decanter far far away it right. looks crazy looks beautiful and it does its job because the wine really splashes into the glass gets maximum exposure of oxygen and uh, you your guests would be very happy because you aerated the wine to a maximum that that i think so for, for that for our guests then maximilian i would recommend three decanters as as you've suggested and that will see them through their lifetime. Yeah, there's nothing wrong about collecting real decanters. I can tell you that. And um, I show lately on my social media feeds, on Instagram in particular, but also on others, how they're being made because they look fun. But when you know how much effort, time, knowledge, passion goes into the production of a decanter like this, then you also understand the price points. Yes. Well, it's an enormous amount of workmanship. Now, moving ahead, uh, Maximilian, people predominantly think uh, about only still wine and less about fortified wines like Port and Madeira and, you know, other styles. So we've had a considerable number of students take our courses on fortified wines like Port, and they ask us about the type of glassware they should consider using, given 
the higher level, higher level of alcohol in the wines. What do you recommend, Maximilian? So that's very interesting because what we were able to achieve, so port you sip, everybody, good? So port is not something uh, that you need to decant. It's another thing that you should know. It's fortified, good? It's not going to change by decanting. And I was just recently in Portugal again, and every time I learn more about port. Some people say, uh, even though it's a vintage port, you should consume it at once. You should not rebottle it and drink it over the next couple of days. That was news to me as well. Tony oh. Port, different story. And uh, so there's so much more we can learn about port or fortified wines. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's something which uh, is very interesting. Because of the high alcohol level, you would think you would need a very big glass. But since you're sipping it, and we've been studying it, and we've been working with a lot of port families uh, that produce port since generations, the port glasses of Riedel, they're actually fairly small. Let me see if I find a good example. Yes, please. It looks very traditional, believe it or not, but we invented the shape for port. So you will find this when you go to Portugal a lot. Uh, the French would have used this as a tasting glass. It looks like the old original official tasting glass from the INRO. Mm -hmm. This is the shape. And uh, this is the glass that we developed and that we highly recommend. So you can see it's a fairly small bowl. When I compare this with our champagne wine glass, you see how small the glass actually is. So port, not only because of the alcohol level, should be sipped. It should be sipped because of the structure of it, uh, the texture of it, good, the viscosity of port, which is so different uh, to, to still wines. And uh, there were many reasons why we put it on the short stem. It's all about the traditional way of consuming port. And this would be the port glass that we would recommend. Well, Portugal has always been a personal favorite of mine. And uh, whenever I visit the, the bodegas there, the, you know, the quintas, um, they always bring this romance, you know, to, yeah. to, to life. And you know what people don't know so much about Portugal? I love their white wines. I love Alvarinho. You know, Alvarinho is something where I, I only got to know it better during the lockdown because people were communicating to me and I had the time to do lots of workshops. And of course, my local distributor, the Simington family, who imports really into Portugal and also makes some of the finest ports, by the way. Yes. Uh, they asked me to look for a proper shape for Alvarinho. And it's actually our Sauvignon Blanc glass. And Alvarinho is something that the people should look for. Uh, it is a white wine to fall in love with. Well, there's a lot to be said about uh, Portuguese wine. But as you said, that's another story. <laughs> now, Maximilian, let's talk about an industry report by Fact MR stated that in 2021, non-alcoholic wine accounted for 1.6 billion US dollars. By 2031, it will reach 4.5 billion. Will that impact the type of glasses you produce or not? And why? Very good question. So I think the first ones to push this kind of philosophy on us uh, were actually the Danish uh, or the Scandinavians, they were the first ones to bring forward a sparkling wine, non-alcohol, and it started a big trend. Uh, 
And uh, I've visited many restaurants all over the world in the last couple of months and weeks. And uh, they tell me it didn't start off so well, but now there's more and more interest in it. Mm-hmm. But I have to be honest with you, my personal point of view, it's not something that I enjoy. Good. If I want a glass of wine, then I want a glass of wine as we all know it and love it. Otherwise, I drink a juice. So I'm the wrong person to be questions about it. But uh, does it have an impact on the glass? If it is grape varietal specific, with or without alcohol, the real philosophy makes sense. Right. And um, who knows where it will go? I mean, the, who knows where it will go? Yes. Who knows where it will go? Now, many of the viewers have a good idea of how to assess wine. Maximilian, could you share the points when um, you're considering to assess the quality? of a wine glass? Well, let me first tell you how I assess the quality of wine myself. Good. And since uh, I'm I'm known to be a wine collector uh, of young and older vintages, for me, the condition of the bottle can already sing me a song about the condition of the beverage inside the bottle. I'm not talking about the label of a wine or the different styles and types of cork Good. So this can never tell you the quality of the wine, but how is the fill level on an older bottle of wine? Was it exposed to air? Was it exposed to oxygen? Nowadays, we have to look if the cork was uh, was pierced by uh, Coravin, you know, yeah. at auction, you don't know what, what you buy. So you have to make sure that you inspect the bottle first, especially at valuable wines that you buy at a liquor store and you're surprised how is this possible that he has a Bordeaux bottle of vintage 1989 for $50. Will not happen, ladies and gentlemen. Good miracles uh, are in books, but very rarely happen to us, especially when we are a wine savvy person. And then of course, when I open the wine, I'm the last one to smell the cork because I was also told that the cork condition cannot really tell us much about the wine yes how was it stored but we all use different tools nowadays to pull the cork when you pour the wine and you look at the color of the wine this is where you start to assess the wine good so in what color condition is it then of course you smell the wine then you look at uh, the legs of the wine and so on so then we start talking and at the end it's your sense of taste that really tells you if this is the quality of wine that you want to drink. When I assess a wine glass, when I assess a wine glass, I pick it up and of course the weight nowadays can sing us a song, not about the quality, Mm -hmm. but uh, if and when the glass was made. Then I looked at the base and the base of the glass nowadays with modern technology is the only way for me to, as a glass maker, to to see the difference between a handmade or a machine-made glass. You mentioned the Riedel Veloce collection. I showed the box. That is the latest collection of Riedel that came to the market. And it's machine-made. And I I, I bet that most people could not tell the difference between handmade or machine-made. It is just perfect. It is perfect in its imperfection because nowadays we can even fake the stem. We can make it in a machine production thinner, thicker, uh, thicker. So it's sheer impossible. But the base can tell me the difference. Mm -hmm. 
And I would like to assess this with you now. Please. So the size of the base. The smaller the base, the more I could believe it is a machine production. Riedel set forth the benchmark, a world record. We are now able to make bases in a diameter of 10 centimeters, which was impossible just five years ago. Handmade was always easy to make a bigger base. It was dependent on the glass master. Then, of course, if there are any kind of themes, I'm looking for the themes. Uh, this is a machine-made glass from Riedel. This is not one of the more expensive one, but also here already, I don't find the seam anymore. Mm -hmm. On the Riedel base, in the middle, I most of the time can feel a little knob. And when I look closer, it's the date when the glass was made, the year oh, of so the production. So the date is printed on the yes. glass base. We right? did this to also protect our interest because... Some Riedel collections, like the Sommelier collection, is on the market since 50 years. So, of course, somebody could play a trick on me and say, I bought this glass yesterday, there's something wrong with it. And then I could look at the date and defend myself and say, excuse me, there's a, a stamp on it and you bought the glass in 1988, as an example. Good. Really? So you've had it for quite some time. So those are our little tricks. Then I would look at the Riedel logo. We are having two different styles of Riedel logos on our glasses. I don't know if you can see this here, but that's the Riedel yes. logo dating back to 1890. And you would find this only on handmade glasses from Riedel. On machine-made glasses, you would find uh, the logo in a different way. Good. You would find the logo like it's a typewritten right. Riedel. Good. So that already tells you the difference between a handmade and a machine-made glass. And what you would also find on those glasses, the E dot, R-I, so the, the dot on the I is a microchip. It's a laser chip that tells me when, where, by whom the glass was made and to whom originally, which dealer I sold it to in what year. And we learned this all from the wine industry, good? Because on wine, where we're talking about valuable wines, they need to be also somehow registered and recorded so that when you think you've run into a counterfeited mm -hmm. wine, they have the tools since 20 years to tell you if it's original or not. And for real, it's just the same. Sadly, also in China, real is such a strong brand that we find counterfeited product fake product and these little nuances i would find only on the base would tell me if it's an original or not so there's so much information nowadays already uh, on the base then i would assess the stem the balance it's like a japanese chef knife you know how is it balanced um, how yeah. does it feel is it top heavy is it bottom heavy it has to be perfectly balanced and then of course we talk about the most important part when we talk about real glasses, which is where all our knowledge, all our wine knowledge, our efforts go into, which we study, because this is the grape varietal specific part, is the bowl. Mm -hmm. You can tell by my passion, I love my glasses. Oh, I, I well, you know, that leads me to two questions, Maximilian. Um, you know, with the amount of... Um complexity of glasses you know we talk about wine cellars and the value of wine cellars 
here's a question. Is there a, a large uh, audience out there that actually collect wine glasses through the ages? And have you ever been asked to value them at all? This is a very uh, modern question. It's a very modern question. There are different types of collectors. Mm -hmm. There are those who collect wine and because they know the value of the wines that they collect, they want to make sure that when they enjoy them, they enjoy them at the maximum. And that's the reason why they would start collecting real glasses, different grape varieties. Then there are those people who collect glass, period, including myself from different centuries. Yes. Glass making goes back 4,000 years. So it's very interesting to, to, to study this. And when you come to, to our factory here in Kufstein, where we have uh, a beautiful museum, you would see the Riedel product going back to the 17th and 18th century. Very interesting to see the evolution, the zeitgeist, when, how, why certain glasses were produced and used for different beverages, beverages maybe that we don't even consume nowadays anymore. So very interesting. Uh, and also very interesting is the story behind the wine bottle. When was it started? Why were there different shapes for different purposes? Um, so it is a very interesting part. And as I, to answer your question, so yes, there were people who asked me many times, people sent me pictures. I have this real glass at home. Can you yeah. tell me when was it made for what purpose? And some of them obviously look very much alike. So there are certain angles that you would have to photograph it for me to see it. Then we ask you to measure the base, the rim diameter, because all our glasses, since they're working tools, uh, all the dimensions and measurements you would also find on our website. So if you're not sure I bought this glass or I got it as a gift and you know, uh, I have not used it in a while. What is this glass? Because I would like to complete my collection. Then I would ask you to measure certain things that you would see on our website, readle.com. And then I can help you uh, date it back to or give you an answer what grape variety the glass was made for. Well, honestly, that's been a really insightful journey that you've shared with, with uh, the glassware. And, and I can truly say, I, I, I don't think there are many uh, of the audience that would have noticed what you've mentioned and shared with us today, Maximilian. So thank you very much for that. And as a last uh, question to you, how do you have fun? Me personally? Yes. I think <laughs> I'm I having think fun audience right audience now, Dr. Lee, by talking to you and answering your questions, because I think that the more we talk the more we teach and i think you're doing a fabulous job i'm following you myself uh, also about etiquette things that i grew up with but maybe sound strange to newcomers uh, and i would say never be worried about questions that you want to have answers to because that's our job you know i'm happy to answer these questions and when answering questions Sometimes I'm also being enlightened with new ideas. And talking about the base of my wine glass, believe it or not, I've never done this before. So all the tricks, all the, the details, the, the know-how that we put, the effort that we put, that also gives the reason for the pricing of a real 
product versus any other. I'm very happy about these questions because I never talk about the base of a wine glass. And now I realize I should because it can give you so many insights on the product, where, how it's being made, what to look forward to. So thank you also for asking questions. So that's fun to me. And sharing wine is fun to me. And climbing mountains, spending time with my kids, that gives me pleasure. And I'm one of those people who would say, my job is my hobby because I have this passion. Today alone, if I would describe my day to day, people would be very interested probably. And they would be amazed the way how I tell it and how many interesting people I've met alone today talking about wine and real glasses. So I love what I'm doing. Well, I'm sure that's just a microscopic insight into, into the life that you lead, Maximilian. But equally, as, as you follow me, I do follow you. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy the wines that, that you uh, are enjoying. So through that, I live vicariously. <laughs> Maximilian, there's so much more to, to ask. But unfortunately, our time has run out on this particular session. It's been a huge pleasure having you on the show again, Maximilian. And um, thank you so much, Dr. Lee. Please ask me to come back. Uh, I'm happy to answer all your interesting questions and the questions of your students, of your audience. And uh, please continue doing so. Good, we learn a lot. Thank you very much. And we certainly will. We have uh, a long list of questions uh, that have been pouring in uh, as a result of the um, first interview and I'm sure that will also be the case here so I will salute you sir and say thank you very much for your time and for sharing the knowledge uh, with not only myself but the audience and until we meet again please stay well thank, thank you, you so much thank you to you thank you everybody for giving us some time and listening to what we have to say and if there are more questions I think Dr. Lee and myself are very happy to get back to you with answers. Certainly. Bye-bye, Maximilian. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Be well. You've been listening to Wine Buzz Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave a review or share it with a friend. AppWazi is an online wine and spirit institution dedicated to promoting culture and diversity through the world of education. If you're looking to get started, we have a free online course that we are giving out to all our listeners. For more information, head to appwazi.com. That's A-P-W-A-S-I.com.